fall in this place on every person, man, woman, and child. God, we ask for it. We ask for the joy of the Lord to be in this place. In Jesus' name, come on, if you want to receive that, come on, say amen. Go clap those hands. We're giving it all away, away. We're giving it all to go your way. Come sing that out. We're giving. We're giving it all away, away. We're giving it all to go. Sing in the Father. In the Father, there is freedom, there is hope in the name that is Jesus. Lay your life down, give it all now. We are found in the love of the Savior. We've come alive in you, set free to know the truth. Our lives will never be the same. We'll sing it out. We're giving it all away. We're giving it all to go your way. We'll sing it out now. We're giving it all away, away. We're giving it all to go your way. And everybody clap now. Come on, clap. Come on, clap those hands. Here we go, we are sound. We are sold out to your calling. Everything that we offer your glory. Take our hearts now, let's have it all now. Let a light shine the light like this morning. We've come alive in you. Set free to know the truth. And our lives will never be the same. Let me see now. We're giving it all away, away. Oh, yeah. We're giving it all to go your way. See now, we're giving it all away, away. We're giving it all to go your way. Come everybody, clap it out. Here we go. Clap. Oh, come on, clap those hands. Pull Steve, roll back. Roll back the curtains from our eyes. And now we can see you. Show us the way to your life. We offer. We offer our lives to bring you faith. We're caught in your freedom. We're caught in your freedom. We'll see it, we're giving. We're giving it all away. We're giving it all to go your way. We'll sing it out. We're giving it all away. Oh, yes. We're giving it all to go. One more time, sing it out. We're giving. 
to show you his glory can I just invite you to lift your hands all across this place like it's the first time and let's sing that out to God with the heart that expects with the heart that knows that he wants nothing but the best for us and it's in his presence that we receive his best that we receive the fullness of the Son, the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, right now. Let's sing this again, but let's we'll sing it with everything you got. Oh, we ask for the Lord. We want it today. Come on, sing to us. Show me your heart. Show me. Come on, sing it out. Show me your heart, show me your way, show me your glory. Show me your heart, show me your way, show me As we seek your fire, 
Fall down your fire. Right now, in an attitude of worship and an attitude of praise, the Bible says that our Father, that our God, is an all-consuming fire. He's an all-consuming fire. He consumes everything in your life. And some of us may have come in this place with sin in our heart, and before the Lord, we've done some things that haven't pleased Him, that have caused His Son to die on a cross for us. Right now is your time. Right now is your opportunity to come in the presence of the Lord and just say, God, I want your fire to consume it all. Burn it away. Burn it away. Put a passion in my heart. Put a fire in my heart, Jesus, to go after you. Come right now. I'm just going to give you the next couple of moments and to go after him. To go after him. As the band plays, don't get caught up in all the music. Don't get caught up in all the music. Just asking for the fire. Come on, if you're living for the Lord, you just want more of the Holy Ghost. Just ask for more of the fire. There's no condemnation. There's nothing wrong with that. I can believe. I believe you can live free from sin. You can live free from any condemnation. And if you're in this place and you have the joy of the Lord, the power of the spirit inside of you just come on and worship let's fill this place up with praise let's encourage our neighbor they're coming here for something more we clear hearts for you Lord come baptize us with fire Oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come on, cry out, cry out, lift your voice, Holy Spirit, Jesus, you set us free, oh, oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Fire's falling down, Jesus. Oh, you're changing lives. You're changing lives. You're burning away the cross. Oh, come. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. oh Lord, sing your fire.
fire consumes it all. The fire burns away the dross. Every person in this place. Oh, God, we ask that you fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit. God, so that our ears and our minds can be transformed. We're no longer the same because of Jesus. When you hung on that cross, there was power. There was power. Oh, Lord. Your spirit comes in all people. You provide the fire. And I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the spirit, and I will open up the side. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. And you provide the fire And I'll provide the sacrifice And you provide the spirit And I will open up the sky Fill me Sing it again, love of God.
moments as the band is playing just to welcome the Holy Spirit here and then personally here into your heart and if this is new for you just close your eyes to rid yourself of any distraction and just get intimate with the Holy Spirit and just say Jesus come into my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit just fill me now come on let's be intimate with the Holy Spirit Jesus comes through the Holy Spirit. He is here now. Oh, yes, He is here Fill us up, Lord. Hallelujah. Fill us up, Those of you filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, just exercise your spiritual gift. Build your faith. Precious Holy Spirit, the Spirit the Son the Holy Spirit fire. We are in love with you. Jesus, fill us. Come on, have an encounter with God right now. A God kind of encounter. We're not a people of just religion, but relationship. 
with the living God. Two more moments. Jesus, fill us. We want to have what that song is saying, a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit on the inside. the Lord can you bless him today and say thank you Jesus for the Holy Spirit come on we bless the Lord for his Holy Spirit his Spirit Santo hallelujah would you hold somebody's hand next to you now we're going to pray as a family welcome to Metro praise we are praising his name up in this thing amen oh God I thank you for every person here you've brought them this morning to meet with them more than them hearing a word from me or music from the band you brought every person here so you could meet with them and God I pray that you do it right now as you're holding your neighbor's hand would you just say Lord bless my neighbor to the left to my right if you know their name just pray their name God bless them Vanessa and Adam oh God we thank you for this congregation during this week, God, we've had the mountaintops of life's experiences. Baby Lucas was born to our family. But yet, God, the same day I was going to the bedside of my wife to see her deliver, there was a young man by the bedside of his mother, Angel, whose mother passed away that next day from cancer. God, every week there are highs and lows in our lives and in our friendships. And God, we ask you to help us to trust you in both of them. In the highs of life that we don't get so excited that we think we can do it without you. That we'll be cautious to always give you the praise. To not get so excited we forget all about you. And then God, on those low days, those times that life hurts, God, that we won't shake our fist in anger, but we'll trust you. And Lord, so whatever situation and everything in between for those here today, I pray you bless them, you meet with them, and you bless their family. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Can you give them a hand clap of praise? Come on. We're going to play a welcome video. Would you slap five people, high five, and welcome them to Metro Praise. We're so glad you're here today to our new 10 a.m. service. It's packed out. Welcome somebody.
Amen. God bless you. As you make your way back to your seat, we just want to welcome you. Praise God. Amen. Would you look at your neighbor for me, please? Just look at your neighbor and say, now we know who the real Christians are. And give them a wink. Amen. Now give them a wink. You know what I'm saying? We know who the real ones are. We love the Christers. Amen. But if you come back the week after, you're the real one. God bless you. We're so happy you're here today, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Now, here's the reason why we went from two services, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. It was because you split this in half, and that's what we were having every week, half of this in 9, half of the other in 11. And the situation with that is we were losing the momentum, the energy, the excitement of what we want in our services. And so we're asking you now to bear with us as we pack out this sanctuary. We want to believe God for the excitement, for miracles, the power of God to show up. And we got 50 chairs to add in when this starts to fill up. And we're going to start a parking lot ministry. And we're going to think this week how to make it creative. Uh, one of the things is, is we need two handicapped parking spots for those that are coming. And we need to make sure that they're reserved. And then the double parking, we need to make sure that that's not happening so those who leave early can go out. But we're thinking maybe if you trust us, maybe some valet parking for you. Can I hear an amen? You can tip them. You know what I'm saying? We'll have, I was going to say we'll have the youth, but then that would lose all the trust. <laughs> Excuse me. There would be no amens after that. But Berto, you would trust Berto, the Aztec warrior, to drive. Can I hear an amen for that? Praise God. So 
This is our new Sunday morning service, 10 a.m. I'm glad you found it today and you made it here well. And that you would just continue to come with us and on this journey as we grow as a church. And just let God uh, just lead us in what he has us to do. Because I think if there's something else we would do before we would go to two services, we would go to a bigger location. Can I hear an amen to that? Okay, so we just want to keep one service right now and just love God, love people. And uh, every Wednesday we have encounter nights. It's for the whole family, Royal Rangers Impact for K through 5th graders. If you haven't signed up your children, please do. And then every Wednesday is prayer meeting and Bible study for the adults. Love to have you come out. And then Wednesdays, Elevate. Come on, come on, Elevators, Elevate. Amen. Elevators going every Friday at 7.30. That's junior high to high school. It's our youth group. And we're so happy that uh, you have made this a part of your church, young people. I thought you guys are, uh, I thought Jeremiah did well. Let's give it up for Jeremiah, the youth who represented last week. He did good. We're so proud of him. And uh, we want to introduce to you our newest member of Metro Praise. This is Lucas James Vorostek. You know I had to do this. My face is probably red right now. But uh, nine pounds, one ounce. He's a big boy. 20, 20 and a half inches. Uh, Nancy, uh, in the morning, had to go to the hospital. Her water broke. I didn't believe her at first. I think it was partly because it was 5.30 in the morning. I was like, no, you're fine. And as her mom was about ready to take her to the hospital, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're a jerk. Get up and go out there with her. It's like, I have to do my part, you know. And, uh, man, she did well. She's my hero. Women are my heroes. And Mother's Day is coming up. Let's just give it up for all mothers right now. Women, you're awesome. Oh, wow. It was just amazing. And then uh, to see him come out, he's very, very healthy. He's doing well. Nancy is recovering. She's watching by webcast. So if you can just keep Lucas in your prayers. Uh, Lucas is Greek for Luke in the New Testament, so we named him after a, a disciple, of a, a Bible book. And then James is my dad's middle name, and we're just believing God for great things for him. So let's just pray for my wife and a little boy just to recover and do well. Amen. Uh, can uh, can you pray? You're a mother. You understand. And by the way, there are so many women that are pregnant in this church right now. Metro Praise is growing in many ways. Can I hear another amen? So you are a prego woman ready to give birth. So just pray like it was your own. Come on. Father, we just thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for baby Lucas and for Nancy right now. We just ask you, God, that you will have your hand over this child all the days of his life. We ask you, Lord, that he would do great things for your kingdom. God, that he would just go out and make disciples, Lord, that he would follow in his parents' footsteps. We ask you, Lord, that your hand would always be over his life. And we just pray for Nancy right now, that she would recover well, God, that she would enjoy being a mother again to a, to a baby boy. I pray that you would heal her body, that she would have the strength that she needs to be a mom to three children and to be a wife and to be you know, a mother to so many people in this church spiritually. We thank you for them. We ask you to continue to bless this family in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing that moment with us. And Metro Praise, we're loving God, loving people. That's our vision. Can everybody say loving God and say loving people? 
Thank you. So we're going to continue serving the vision that God give, has given us. It's been seven years since we first started the church, and our vision has not changed. It's to love God, love people. We ask you to join with us at this special time as I see many new faces coming here today. And our strategy is to connect you to the cross, to teach you the cross, and send you out with the cross to change the world. Can everybody say connect? Thank you. And the best way to connect to our church through the cross of Jesus Christ is at Life Groups. Does anybody get life at Life Groups today? Come on, somebody. These are a great time to have food, fun, and fellowship in somebody's house. Home Bible studies. Every week, meeting seven different times for the adults, two times for the youth. If you need more information, you can go to our VIP center in the back. We will connect you to the life groups that bring so much life. These are the places where the Bible studies and prayer times are for you and your family. And everybody say mentor. Thank you. And as you've connected to the life groups, we believe that if you get mentored in the cross, you'll begin to love Jesus so much more. And this is the 101 that we will do with you one-on-one. -on -one. I know for some that, man, that sounds a little intimidating, a little scary. You're like, I don't know if I want to meet with somebody. But I guarantee you, as you fall more in love with Jesus, you're going to want to grow in your faith. And as you grow in your faith, we're going to meet you right there. And then after you pass the 101, you can go into the 201, which is a process of making you a life changer, a world history, a world changer, a history maker, and a roof breaker. Can I hear somebody say, disciples that make disciples? Amen. And then somebody say, send. Thank you. Then we can send you out to change the world. Why? Because Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples. And that's what we're here to do. Connect you to the cross through life groups. Mentor you through the 101 and 201. And send you out to do the same. And I believe we can see 50 campuses here in Chicago with 100,000 disciples with 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, can you put your hands together and say amen? amen. Come on, let's change the world for Jesus. I got some good news I want to share with you. We were in a building fund, and uh, we raised $19,522. Can we give it up for Jesus? Amen. And I want to thank everybody for giving. We normally do this at the first of every month, but because the first of every month happened on a Sunday, we didn't have our records ready, and then the Easter came last week, so we didn't have a chance to do it. But this is a way of us showing integrity to you as a ministry, because we know in the church, many people have accused pastors and churches of wasting money, and we always want you to know what's going on every month, so you'll see this uh, again in May, and so on and so forth. Here's the report for March 2012. We brought in $13,580. $89.87, ties and offerings, missions $1,194.51, building fund $2,730.22 for a total of $17,514.60. Come on, somebody give that for Jesus and those who give. Thank you so much. And here's where it went to our general fund, just to give you the understanding. The biggest expenses are rent, $8,000 a month, and then it goes from there. $13,283.46. Missions, uh, it should be other way around. Our missions was only $230 this month because we were waiting to send some big offerings this month. Uh, we sent a brand new computer to uh, the Philippines. And what I mean we sent it is we 
paid for it and he bought it there because shipping is too much. So we have supported now a, a fifth location of Metro Praise in the Philippines. So that number should be reversed because we gave it this month and all of it went to the building fund for a total of $16,243.68. And so what that means is we had plus $1,275.92. Come on, somebody say yay God. Amen. God is awesome. We paid the bills, and we were able to move forward. If you ever want more information, Joe, would you raise your hand in the back? Joe's our accountant. You can see him at any time. And as a non-for-profit, just in general, by the way, you can always ask to see the records of a non-for-profit because they are public records. So anytime you want to see what's going on in this church or another church, you can ask them, and we make that available. And that's what's exciting about Metro Praise is you're seeing where it's going and how we're changing the world. This is something that I want to ask you to do for the month of April. Every month we try to come up with new goals. Uh, for the month of April, we would like to go back to a building fund and mission fund on top of our ties and all offerings. Now, if you don't have anything to give or can't give, that's between you and the Lord. But this is for those who say, Pastor, I want to help out. I want to make Metro Praise great. Well, we need extra on top of our tithes. Everybody say tithes. Thank you. A tithe is 10% of your total income that goes to God. So if you make $1,000 a week, you give $100 a week to God. If you make $1,000 a month, you give $100 to God. If you make $100 a month, you give $10 to God. It doesn't matter how you look at it. Every person, the Bible says, should give a tithe to God. Everybody say a tithe. Thank you. And what that tithe should do is it should cover all the bills of the church. Then when you give an offering, somebody say an offering. Thank you. That's what you give after your tithe. So you got 90% left, and it should help out for other areas. Well, right now, we need your help in the offering of the building fund because our budget, as you could see from the week that just passed, if we didn't have the building fund finances right here to be 2700 we wouldn't have been able to fully pay all of our bills because we're having debt and things we have to reduce. So what I would like to ask you to do, if you can, either here or online and before or after services, we have drop boxes to do it privately, is that you would consider above your tithe to be one of our 50 to give 50 extra dollars a month. That way we can keep doing what we have to do here. And then also consider being a part of the 50 towards mission, giving $25 a month. And that way we would have the money for missions and building. What does that come out to you? That comes out to be an extra $75 a month. It comes out to be about $3 a day. The replacing of the Starbucks can change the world here. It's up to you whether or not you want to do it, but we're just asking you to partner the best that you can so that Metro Praise can grow through this time of recession and pay our, our debts. And we believe, this is what the Bible says, as you give, it's given back to you, pressed down, shaken together. Can I hear an amen? Come on, I believe that today. And so we're going to uh, prepare to receive our tithes and offerings now, but I want to give you an update. We have right now five locations where people call themselves Metro Praises. They use our books in the Philippines, Nigeria, Nepal, Pakistan, and India. We now have a total of over 300 churches around the world. Can we say amen and thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Lord. 
Some of the great testimonies that we just had happen this past week is, like I said, we saved up some money to send to the Philippines. We sent them about $700. He has a brand new computer, web camera, and that means now uh, we'll be able to meet with him on Skype in our normal meeting because we meet with our leaders there every Thursday on Skype. And so Philippines is growing with 15 churches. And then a testimony is, is that we're about ready to send about $600 to Pakistan because they're going to take all of our books and including the Muslim book and our two discipleship and make about a thousand of them to give out to the people of Pakistan. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet with us, please? Thank you so much for helping make Metro praise what it is today. Oh, God, we thank you so much. Let's just pray. Lord, we're in love with you. We're not in love with money because you said we can't love money and love you at the same time. So, Lord, we love you more than we love money. But, Lord, we need money. We need it to pay our bills. We need it for diapers, God. We need it for baby formula, for mortgage payments, for car payments. And so, Lord, you set up a plan for us. You said in your word, if we give to you first, you'll give back to us. And, Lord, I pray that promise over your people today. We heard some good news this month that uh, unemployment is going down. But then personally in Chicago, we heard about a company like Best Buy shutting down five of its locations. And so, God, we know that we're still in the midst of some trouble here. And we're asking you to help us to pour out your spirit of wisdom upon our business owners and leaders, upon the workers here, God, for favor, for promotion and raises, God. And, Lord, we're also just praying, God, for stability and strength in times that we have to cut back. Help us to be wise on how we spend every uh, penny that you give us. And Lord, we not only pray for ourselves today, we pray for the mission field. Because what we experience, they experience times 10. And Lord, we ask you to eliminate poverty, world hunger, suffering, God, lack of education around the world in these places that we're ministering. And Lord, we ask you to pray with our military forces that protect our freedom and try to bring good things to people, God. And Lord, today... We now just say, bless this ministry and bless our house, because without you, we can't do it. In your precious name, in Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. We receive a tithe and an offering here in this house based on what the Word of God says. And this is our confession that we speak is our faith, our hope, and what God will do for us. So let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all to the riches of his glory in Christ. Jesus, will you come forward rejoicing as you give today? Thank you so much for all that you do. God bless you. at your neighbor and say, we're so glad you're here. Thank you. Now mean it. Can you say it one more time, but mean it. Come on. Did you mean it the first time? I'm sorry if you did. Amen. 
We want to welcome you to our new series that we're doing this month, Closer to God. We have 5,000 of these flyers in the back. Would you take some and hand them out this week to your friends and family? Because we know after Easter, so many people are thinking in their mind, boy, I got to get closer to God. I got to do something about this Jesus thing. Well, this is the perfect series to invite them to because we're going to take everybody through the basics. And whether or not you're an expert and a seasoned Christian or whether you just went to Easter last week and it was the first time you've been in church in 10 years. It doesn't matter. This whole month is dedicated towards giving you and your family the basics to get closer to God. Can everybody say closer to God? Thank you. And today we're going to talk about how to read your Bible. How many think that's a good thing? Right? That's a good thing to talk about in church. So many times people come to me at the end of service and they say, Pastor, uh, where is that book in the Bible you were talking about? Or, or explain this passage to me. Most people we take for granted don't know how to use the Bible. We think they do. Many people are intimidated to ask because they're confused. But this today, we're going to talk about this series is going to do that. Next week, we're going to talk about how to pray and worship. How many know that uh, we're, we're supposed to talk to God? Can you say amen to that? And you know what? Sometimes I hear people, they say, you know, when we say, can you pray? Or I'm at their house for dinner. You know, the man, he kind of looks at me sheepishly and he goes, Pastor, you pray. You know, and he's a little nervous. And, and I'm thinking, man, it's your house. You pray, you know. But men sometimes, especially men or people in public, get nervous to pray. Here's the deal, my friends. If you can talk, you can pray. And God is not here to look at you being religious or see if you can pray in King James language. God wants you to talk to him. Just like how you think to yourself, you can think your thoughts to God. He'll know your thoughts. And just like how you talk to your best friend, you can talk to Jesus. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple because there's a lot of churches in our city, a lot of ways of uh, coming to church on Sunday. But we're going to talk about what Jesus said. And I think it will be a challenging message. So everybody say, Closer to God. Amen. Bring some of your friends, and I think they will be blessed. Will you open up your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy 3.16? Or, uh, yes, it's actually supposed to be 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Now, here's where we check how close you are to God. So look around and see who doesn't have a Bible right now. No, I'm just teasing. But come on. Some of you are like, Pastor, you put it up there. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 3.16 and then look at this picture of a Bible right here. Has anybody ever had a Bible that got wore out like that because you used it so much? Come on, somebody. Highlights over highlights with markings in it. We believe the Bible should be used. And in our 21st century, you may be using the Bible on an iPad or an iPhone, and that's okay. But you need to have a Bible. If you need to go back home and take the Bible off your shelf and... You know, sweep off the dust off of it, then you need to do that tonight, okay? This is what is going to be your message from God. Every single one of us have a message from God in this book right here. My dad told me like this when I was growing up and I was old enough to understand because I played football and baseball. My dad said, This is your playbook, son. This is the playbook for life. If you want to succeed, use this playbook right here. Follow the plays of this Bible. And still to this day, 35 years old, now with three children, happily married, seven years pastoring, that Bible, that Word of God is still alive to me today. And that's what we're going to talk about. If you're with me in 2 Timothy 3.16, can you say you're there? Thank you. And once again, there is a correction. It needs to be 2 Timothy. 
It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Everybody say teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Thank you. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the presence of his appearing in kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Everybody say, preach the word. Thank you. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Help me one more time. Say, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Thank you. With great patience and careful instruction. Because look at verse 3. For the time will come... When men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to miss. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Look up at me, please, today, because we are in a drought, we are in a famine. And do you want to know what that famine is? It's a famine of the Word of God. You can hardly find it today in churches. Churches will tell you more about what Oprah Winfrey talked about and what they saw on TV and what they saw when they were at the, you know, the, the, the dog and pony show than to preach the word of God. Today people are offended by the word of God. So the people don't want to hear it. And what the Bible says is that the time will come, and I believe we're in that time right now, where people will not want to hear it, but they'll just want to come to church to have their ears tickled. Now, I think you're a great person, and I'm glad that you're here, and Jesus does love you. But if all I told you was every single week you're a great person and Jesus loves you, I'm not teaching all of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine teaches there's a heaven and a hell, my friends. And a lot of churches don't want to talk about hell, afraid of offending people who are going to hell. Listen, the best thing you can do for me if I'm going the wrong way is to tell me to turn around. If I'm headed towards Wisconsin going west and I say just any minute I'm going to hit the lakefront, somebody better turn me around. And the Bible talks about when we get off the path of God's commands, the word of God and people preaching it to us should turn us around. Somebody say, preach it. Amen. And if you ever want to say that in this church, you can say it. Preach it, preacher. Amen. But it's not just for me, the preacher. It's for every single one of us. The word preach simply means to proclaim. Now, we know on your job in the schools, young people, there are boundaries. We understand that. But when you have the chance to share what you believe, you should be able to not only say it by opinion, you should be able to say it by book, chapter, and verse of where it's at in the Bible because everybody has opinions. Most of the time they stink because they're like armpits. They have two of them and they stink. But listen to me. The word of God will endure longer than your opinions and my opinions. And the Bible says it's sweeter than honey. It doesn't stink like stinky old armpits. You see, people may come to you and go, well, you know, I don't think abortion is wrong. You know what? It doesn't matter what you think. It's infanticide. It's the killing of children according to the Bible. Well, you know, I think homosexuality is kind of cute. You know, when they get together, I kind of think everybody should love. It doesn't matter what you call it or the Congress or what they call it. The Bible says man shall not lay with a man as he does with a woman. It's called sin. You, you might say, oh, well, I love my girlfriend, and we're going to get married one day, and, you know, I really think of her as my wife. Let me tell you what the Bible, it doesn't matter what you say. The Bible says adultery is sin. You see, I could keep you here all day. 
But it's not about what the preacher says to you on Sunday. It's about whether or not you go home and read it personally and the message comes to you. There was nothing more joyous in my life, and this may sound like you can't believe it, but I'm telling you the truth, and I may get a witness up in here today, but there was nothing more exciting than when I first got saved, my mother gave me a Bible I had from when I was a child in fifth grade that I got at a Christian school from memorizing verses. She gave me this Bible from fifth grade, and I went home and I opened it. There was nothing more exciting when God started speaking to me what to do. I'm not saying it was always easy, but man, when I started reading that Bible and I started getting trained, I started to like it. I started to see my spiritual muscles getting big. At the time, I was smoking. At the time, I was living with somebody I wasn't married to, and these things began to be looked at as sin in the Bible. Nobody had to tell me to get out of that woman's house. Nobody had to tell me to stop smoking, but the Bible began to speak these things to me, and you know how my mom knows knew that I really read the Bible when I went out and got a job because the Bible says if a man don't work he won't eat and the best thing she said that showed Jesus came into my 18 year old rebellious heart is when I got up and got a job come on somebody say amen and you know how my friends knew I got saved is when I stopped partying and having sex with the girls that we used to party with you see, it became real when that time came, and the girlfriends would call and say, no, I'm not going out. Then my friends would call, and then they began to label me as that Bible thumper, that Christian, that God. But I would rather have God with me and the crowd against me than to have the crowd for me and God against me. Hallelujah. And so, friends, today it's about the reading of the Word of God so you don't just take a preacher's word for it, but it's God speaking to you. And I want to just encourage you today to turn away from anything that just tickles your ears. Ear tickling will get you nowhere in life. And here's my last example. If you are sick and you go to the doctor and maybe you have appendicitis, your appendix has ruptured and you're at the point of poisoning your immune system on the inside and possibly even dying. If you go to the doctor and you're swollen there and he just says, you know what, I love you and you're such a good person, and I like everything about you. I just want you to go home, take a couple apples, take a, take a little bit of sugar with the, you know, with the tea here, and you just make that medicine go down. It's going to give you a little, little Tums or a little Pepto-Bismol. You'll be all right because he doesn't want to ruin your day. He doesn't want you to have to go into emergency surgery. How many know that doctor's not a nice guy? Now, you might have walked out of there going, oh, I feel so much better now. Like he complimented me and, oh, he gave me a little Pepto-Bismol. He said I could put a little sugar in it to make it taste sweet going down. And all I need is a couple fruits in my diet, some, some apples. My friends, if your appendix ruptured and something would happen, you would die. Your family wouldn't say, oh, we have such a good doctor. He was so nice to us. No, you would sue that doctor for malpractice, wouldn't you? And so when you come to the church and they just lie to you for 15, 20 minutes, however long they're telling their stories now for, I don't know what's going on with church. They keep getting shorter and shorter. Before you know it, just be you come in this door, you get a high five, a little anointing to pray, and you'll be out the next door. You need a good preacher that says, oh, does this hurt? Does this? Oh, yeah, that hurts. Let's find out what's going on there. Let's get the remedy, and let's get you better, amen? And so when the preaching of the word comes, sometimes it teaches you. Sometimes it rebukes you. Sometimes it corrects you. Sometimes it trains you. But either way, however it comes, you should say, Lord, teach me, rebuke me, train me, encourage me, because I need your word. Can I hear an amen? 
Amen. Now that you're up this morning and you're helping me preach, I'm excited. I want to give you some basics of the Bible so we can start from the beginning. If you have your announcements on the back or notes, you can write down these things because I want to just walk everybody through this no matter what level you're at. Okay? And I didn't even put this here, but I'll tell you right now. The word Bible just means book, okay? So there can be other Bibles, but we have known in our culture the Bible to be the Christian Bible. But it simply just means book. Another way of terming the Bible would be the Word of God, because it's God's Word, or Scriptures. Okay? What is the Bible? It is the God-breathed words. And that is the Greek word theanoustos. So where it says here in this passage, verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. That word God-breathed is theanoustos. And what it simply means is when the people were writing, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit's voice, overshadowing them and breathing through them the words they were writing. Now, sometimes people say, well, you know, that Bible is just a book written by men. Well, so is your math book that says 2 plus 2 equals 4. It doesn't make it wrong. Are you listening to me? There are things that men can write that are right if it is true. And the Bible is true because we can prove it through many different ways, but the easiest way to prove it is through the prophecies that it shares with us. And if you were here last week for Easter, we read Isaiah 53, and the one, one of the most strongest prophecies is a thousand years before Jesus ever came, the Bible predicted that he would come and die on a cross. What does it mean to be God-breathed? It means the Bible is inspired by God. So Beethoven was inspired by nature or himself to make songs. Musicians today find inspiration from wherever they do. Mathematicians study. This is how the Bible was written. God inspired them. So yes, a man wrote it down, but the men that wrote it down were inspired by God. Where did their inspiration come from? God, thank you. What is the Bible used for? To equip the person of God for every good work. So here it says, teaching, uh, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly trained. And simply man there is just referring to the gender of mankind. So we'll include everybody. What is the purpose of the Bible? Why does God want you to have it? So that you can be equipped for every good work. And here are the five things that it does. And if you look at the list, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training are four. And then it goes down here to the next verses, correct, rebuke, encourage. So correct and rebuke have already been said. So encourage is a new thing. So when you combine them together, it does these five things. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Number one, it teaches you. And what is teaching? It's teaching you the truth. So when you open the Bible, it teaches you the truth. Number two, it rebukes. It points out errors from the truth. So if you are sinning, the Bible should tell you to stop sinning. And the Bible then will tell you what to do right. That's what it means to be rebuked. And we should all want that. If you were sinning today and the Bible called it sin, wouldn't you want to know that? Okay, how many want to please God? Can I hear an Amen. Amen. And I noticed this from most people that come around our church and as an experience of pastoring, even though people do sin, when I talk to them individually, most people say, no, really, I don't want to. I, you know, I don't want to break God's commands. The problem is they haven't learned how to live right yet. And that's the, the third part is correcting is to realign your path to truth. So the Bible tells you what truth is. And let me give you an example about adultery, sex before marriage, okay? The Bible says sex before marriage is wrong. So it taught you it's wrong, right? So that's the teaching. That's Galatians 5.19. It says it's a sin. 
Now rebuking, if somebody is living in sexual sin right now, the Bible says, if you do it, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Galatians 5.19. If you're tracking with me, can I hear you say tracking? Thank you. Okay. But now here's where most people stop. They go, well, I know adultery is wrong, and now I know I'm doing it, and I'll be in trouble for it. But they don't go through the rest of the steps, which is correcting, training, and encouraging. See, correcting then will say, stop having sex and get married to the person you're with. You see, that's the correction. The correction isn't you're going to be celibate the rest of your life. The correction is marriage is what you should be doing. Is everybody tracking with me here? So if you know adultery is wrong and you're doing it, you're going to get rebuked, and then God wants to correct you. And then here's the next thing, train you in righteousness, which means help you learn to stay on the path of truth. So let's say you go, okay, I know it's a sin. I've been rebuked for it before. I'm going to start looking towards marriage. But you start to get tempted. This is the process that the Bible is patient with you and I on. The Bible wants to train you. Is there anybody perfect here today that doesn't sin? So we have all sinned, and today we are being trained how not to sin. So today, what God wants you to do is not to sin. That's the point. And so you don't have to sin anymore. Jesus has taken away the power of sin on the inside of you and has given you righteousness. So you may not even know this, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, I got about half of y'all believing that today. But that's where we all need to be. You are not a dirty cup trying to get clean. See, a lot of people look at salvation like when you come to God, you're this bottle of water and you've been running through the mud and sin and your problems and all this. And so when you get saved, God just starts scrubbing and cleaning you and he's just going to scrub and clean you for the rest of your life. No, no, no. When you get saved, your old heart, your old nature dies and the new nature comes alive. You are 100% pure in God's eyes at that moment. And so you're not a dirty cup trying to get clean. You're a clean cup being trained to stay clean. Are y'all listening to me? You are born again holy. When you were born once, you were born a sinner. And the Bible says the righteousness of God was far from you. You could do no good things, Romans 3. But you keep reading, Romans chapter 5 says, as you've been born again, now there's no more sin with you, only the righteousness of God. And so what the Bible is going to teach you to do is live holy. And some of you are like, well, I want to be made holy. Well, get born again. Well, I'm a sinner. Well, get born again a saint. And the point isn't do saints never sin. No, the point is when saints sin, they don't continue in sin because they know who they are. Let me give you an example that I think will help you understand this. You see, I am married to my wife. So we did not start the marriage with me saying to my wife, Honey, I love you at the altar, you know, to death do us part. But you know what? Just real quick here in front of the pastor, I'm just going to cheat on you maybe about once every five, seven years. If I would have said that at the altar, hey, I'm, I, I love you, but I'm going to cheat on you about every five to seven years, you think she still would have married me? She would have said, step back, Jack. It ain't happening. That ain't happening. So what did I do that day? That day I committed 100% to the marriage, to the purity of being dedicated to my wife. Now, I am not perfect in how I act with my wife. There are times I make mistakes. There are times like this in the last 24 hours I've made a whole bunch, and I keep repenting and telling her how much I love her and rubbing her feet and doing everything I can for her, and she's letting me know when I make more mistakes, and that's okay. 
because she's beautiful. But anyways, I'm not perfect in everything, but guess what I'm learning, being trained in? I'm being perfected in all of these ways. So there's things today that I could say check has been perfected, which is I have not cheated on my wife since I've been married. Can we say amen to that? I haven't abused my wife since I've been married. Can we say amen to that? And so what God is wanting to do is perfect those things in your behavior based on the covenant you made with them. And so if you stumble, that's okay. But you don't set out to stumble. You don't start your marriage with God going, okay, God, I love you. But tonight I'm going to be getting wasted. And tomorrow I'm going to be going baka, baka, baka at the club. And then I'm going to look at pornography. But it's okay because you'll forgive me. No, you start off your relationship with God going, I am yours. I am holy. Now, Lord, perfect my behaviors to line up with my commitment. Can you say amen? And then the last thing is encourage. Give you strength to stay in the truth. Teaching you the truth. Rebuking, pointing out the errors from when you stay away, when you avoid the truth. Correcting you to realign your path to truth. Training you in righteousness to help you stay on the path of truth. And encouraging you to stay in truth. So when you read the Bible, guess what it will do? It will in encourage you. What does that word encourage mean? Give you courage. So you go, oh, I don't know, man, if I can live for God today. You should read your Bible because it will give you courage to live for God today. I don't know. I feel like temptation is all around me. How many know the devil tries to keep us from reading the Bible when temptation is coming? You know why? Because he knows that when we read the Bible and we're in the word, we're out of sin. But if we're in sin, we're out of the word. So he tries to get us out of the word so we'll be in sin. So when you get discouraged, don't run away from the Bible. Run to the Bible. Here's another thing to know. What is the structure of the Bible when you open it up? It's broken up into two testaments or word covenants, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. But in our language, a deal. Everybody say a deal. Okay, it's the old deal, the way God dealt with the people of Israel, with Moses and the Ten Commandments, and the new deal, how God is dealing with the Gentiles and all the world through Jesus. There are 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books, uh, no, 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books of the New Testament, should say NT, OT, and NT, 66 books total. And what is the purpose of the Bible as it's equipping you? It's to bring faith into a person's heart. So you'll know God and you'll know his purpose. Somebody say, know God and know his purpose. Thank you. So what is the Bible? It's God-breathed. It's inspired when people wrote it down. What is it used for to teach, rebuke, correct, train, and encourage? What is the structure, Old Testament, New Testament? What is the purpose of the Bible? So that you would know God personally and you would know his purposes. Here are some fun facts that many people don't know, and this would encourage even some of those who have been studying the Bible for a while. The Bible was written over a 1,500-year period from 1,500 B.C. to 90 A.D. It is the, by the way, it is the oldest intact book of all of history, including secular documents like the history of Rome. We have more documents about what God did through his Jewish people and through the Israelites than we do with world conquerors like Alexander the Great and Caesar. Are you all listening to me? When people attack the Bible, they fall into quicksand because when they attack the Bible's validity, they will have to attack the entire known world in written history. The Bible is the oldest, most well-preserved 
preserved book, and we can show you that later in our other documents, but that is something to know. 1,500 years from 1500 B.C. to 90 A.D. is when it was written. Over 40 authors contributed to the book from different lifestyles. There was the shepherd David writing the books of the Psalms. King Solomon, he was a king, writing Proverbs and Song of Solomon. There was a governor, Daniel, who wrote the book of Daniel. There was a general, Joshua, who wrote the book of Joshua. A fisherman, Peter, and a doctor named Luke. So the Bible contains 40 different authors from every different kind of variety of life you could expect from that time. It was written in three different languages, the two main being Hebrew and Greek. Hebrew of the Old Testament, Greek of the New Testament, and a little bit of Aramaic, which is an offshoot of Hebrew in the Old Testament. It was written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe in that part of the world, and it contains almost every kind of literature, poetry, history, and biography. Many people don't know that the Bible is unique in that it contains all of those things. Some religious writings, like the Hindu Vedas, are just poetry, just like the, uh, the Quran is just a book of Proverbs, some of Buddha's writings. We are the only ancient literature that actually contains historical narrative, that means truth and history, as well as our doctrinal beliefs. Let me give you an example of this real quick. There was a group of people mentioned in our Bible one time when Joshua was fighting as a general, and they fought a people called the Hittites. Everybody say the Hittites. Thank you. The Hittites were an enemy of Israel. In the, in the Bible says Joshua and God's people defeated the Hittites. Well, around the 1800s, people began to mock the Bible, and they said, look, we've done all the study, all the archaeology of the Middle East. We've never found these people called the Hittites. These must have been a people made up by the Bible. And time went on, and archaeology began to grow as a field during that time. Eventually, they found documents that pointed to this whole entire group of people known as the Hittites, and guess which was the only book outside of the records of their own towns and villages that recorded these people ever existing? The Bible. So those people had to eat their words because the Bible doesn't just contain religious things like love God, do good, because some people think it's just a pie-in-the-sky book. No, it contains some of the most accurate history of the people of that time. And lastly, and this should encourage us, the Bible is the most read book in all the world, the most translated work of all literature for all times and all people. Can I hear an Amen. And here is something that happened in our own city of Chicago. We won't have time to read the whole thing, but it's called the Chicago Inerrancy Statement. And then 1978, when the Bible began to be attacked, if you know anything about American history, they took prayer out of school and they began to uh, persecute Christians. And still to this day, do you, do you know, just give you an example of how people today persecute Christians, okay? Last week, over 70% of Americans went to a Christian Easter service. Can I hear an amen? Okay, that means 7 out of 10 went to an Easter service. So our country, though it doesn't live like it, still is predominantly Christian by a majority. There is only about 10% of people in this country that don't believe in God. Only about 10%, 70% believe in God, and then the other uh, 30 uh, or 20 believe in different things. Are you all tracking? Can I hear an amen? Just an example, one of the marine bases that we have in America, some Christian marines put up a cross on that base out in the field, on the training ground, as a place that they could go after basic training, some of the sergeants, the leaders out there, that they could go and pray at that cross and remember the Lord and the people who have been slain. Do you know that an atheist group is trying to get that cross removed? 
While 70% of all the military force is Christian. They're trying to do that. So my friends, what we're seeing is an attack of the Bible from the secular world, the 10% that don't want the 70% to put it in the courtrooms. And look how well our society has been since we took prayer and the Bible out of our courtrooms and schools. Would you say Chicago is a much safer place that we don't pray before our public school day starts? Come on, somebody, would you say our government is so much less corrupt now that we don't have our Ten Commandments up above our courtrooms? Let me just give you a fun little fact that a secular university did. They gave two people the same test about morality. Would you steal? If you could get away with murder, would you do it? They gave them about 50 questions, and they had two test groups. One test group, they just said, here's the test. Answer the questions truthfully. Another test group, they just said, here, we want you to read the Ten Commandments. Just read it out loud. So they sat at their desk. Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not. So it took them about 20 seconds to read Ten Commandments and they took the same morality test. Do you know that they scored 50 to 60 percent lower in all of the major issues than the other test group? Just non-Christian secular people just reading the Ten Commandments influenced the way they marked on their test what they would do for morality. Are you all listening to me? If children would just hear the Ten Commandments every day, we could see 50 to 60% less crime in our city. That's how America was founded, by the way. And your dollar still says it because they haven't got that off there yet. And by the way, before Congress starts, we still have a chaplain. And so we need to pray that this will continue and that we'll see a revitalization of our Bible in the public places. Amen? But here is the Chicago Statement of Inerrancy, and here's basically what it says in point number four that's so important because people have tried to change the Bible, and these Christians got together here in Chicago and and spoke for all of the evangelical Christians, which means the non-Roman Catholic Christians of the world were evangelical, means we believe in evangelizing, Protestants protesting the Catholic Church. Here's what they said, and we, of course, agree with this. Number, uh, the last one right here. The authority of Scripture is inescapably impaired if this total divine errancy is in any way limited or disregarded or made relative to a view of truth contrary to the Bible's own and such lapses bring about serious loss to both the individual and the church. Here's the bottom line. If you stop believing the Bible, the church and the society is in trouble. Inerrancy means we believe the Bible. And so people are attacking that Bible in school. Evolution tries to say the six-day creation of God is not true. You can go to AnswersInGenesis.org and see Christians answering the charges of science. Many Christians are scientists, but they're being not able to write. You can see Expelled by Ben Stein, a documentary. And this is more advanced for some of you, but I want you to hear this. The Bible is still accurate today. Whether it's Noah's flood, the creation of the world, or where we go when we die, or how we treat our neighbor, the B.I. I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Amen? And here's a little fun acronym for for everybody here to remember. B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. Okay, that was cute. Amen? I had to do that for you guys. Now, that was the introduction. Here's the message. Somebody say, choo-choo, because we're just going to chug-a-chug-a-choo-choo to about 2, 3 in the afternoon. Okay. Praise God for one service. I don't have any other service to worry about right now. Some of y'all getting nervous. It's okay. Welcome to church where we actually preach the Bible. I'm going to give you 10 ways to work the word. I'm going to go through them quickly, though, because I don't want to uh, keep you here too long, though. I will make it quick. I'm just, I'm just teasing. Here we go. <clears throat> 10 ways to work the Bible. Number one, you got to make time. Number two, you got to get a version that works for you. A version is simply a translation in a language you understand. 
So if you read better in Spanish, get in Spanish. You read better in Italian, get in Italian. If you read better in more colloquial, laid-back language, then get a very modern translation. If you like the old-school King James and you like that, get a more older translation. So make time, get a version that works for you. Number three, know how to work the Bible. You know, we're going to talk about how to find chapters and verses in different books. Number four, read whole books at a time. Don't just spot check through the Bible. Read through an entire book. Because remember, there's 66 books in the Bible. Start and finish one book at a time. It may take you a couple days, but start and finish books. Number five, set a goal to read every day. Does everybody here eat every day? Does everybody here use the bathroom every day? Okay, does everybody here breathe every day? The Bible should be right there in between that, okay? The Bible should be right there between eating, breathing, using the bathroom. It should be right in there. And if you think about it, you can make an easy place to find the time to read the Bible. Amen. Some of y'all got that. Come on, somebody. Number six, join life groups and the 101. Why is this so important? Because you need a study buddy. Don't try to do this on your own. Share it together with people that can help you through the questions and the things of your life. Number seven, use study tools. Just like studying in school, you should study the Bible. Now, here's the thing. Everybody look up at me, please. I was a high school dropout at 16. I hated school. Now I have a master's degree in religion. Let me tell you what changed in my life, a love for God. And it may not be that extreme for you, but those of you who say, I don't even like to study anything, listen to me. This is the written word of God. Let God give you a heart for this, and you'll be surprised how excited you will be to study God's word. And for those of you who are not strong readers, I'm going to show you a trick on how to help you grow in your reading. And by the way, that will help you in all places of life. So people will say, I'm just not a good reader. It's like, do you want to succeed in life? Okay. Saying I'm, I'm ignorant, I can't read the Bible, it's not a good excuse. Amen. Let's help you become a good reader. Amen. Because readers are leaders. Okay. Number eight, meditate on God's word. So when you read it, take time to think about what you're actually reading. Number nine, obey it. Somebody say, do it. Come on, say, do it. Okay, and then number 10, pray the word of God. And so what I want to do right now is play a video. I want to just get you ready for the lesson because I'm going to go those, through those again, and I'm going to give you little points. But I want you to watch this cool video, and I think you might find yourself as one of these characters, and hopefully uh, this will make you laugh.
believe in putting the words into action. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's another one to walk the walk. All right? Case in point. I taught my kids the other day about David and Goliath, right? Now, my youngest son, he's got bad skills with a slingshot. You know, I, I can tell you several stories of us, you know, putting the word into action. Uh, one of the most recent ones is I told my boys about, you know, Joseph and his brothers. And my oldest son. away this summer. A family member gave it to me because they knew I was a believer. To them, it was just a book. But to me, when I sit down and I read it, I see all her little notes. I see all the little highlighted pages, the dog-eared pages. I see the things that really meant something to her when God was speaking to her through his word. And I realize it's her legacy of faith that's passed on to me. That was passed from her parents to her. And you know what? It impacts my faith. More than anything, this truly is the living word. Amen. Come on, give it up for the living word. Amen. I want to go through these quickly, but the most important thing you need to do is get a Bible, okay? So if you don't have one, you can't afford one, let us know. We'll get you one. If you need one in an easy translation, we have them in the back for $5. And I'm going to show you some ways to get them right now on the computer in different ways so it will be easy and fun and exciting for you. But let's go through these quickly today. Make time for the Bible. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to show yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed who correctly handles the word of truth. In another version, it says to show study to show yourself approved unto God. Everybody say study. Thank you. The first time thing you got to do is make time. 
That means you've got to take time away from the Cubs and the Sox game. If you don't have any time, come on. Some people can do both. You can watch the Cubs and you can read your Bible. But before you say you don't have time for the Bible, you need to take some time away from the Cubs time. You need to make time to study to show yourself approved. That's pretty obvious, but let's keep going. Here's the next thing, how to use the Bible. Here's a great way to find a version that you can understand. You can go to the Internet. We have free computers here at the church that are online, and you can practice finding an Internet version and then buy it at the store or use it online. So, brother, would you click BibleGateway.com? The church version we use is 1984 NIV edition. That stands for the, uh, the New International Version. That's the version we like. And, brother, if you would just click on those, uh, the gray box there, and if you just scroll down, look at that. Look at all of these versions in English. They have them in about 100 different languages. Just scroll so that they can see it, please. And you can go see Spanish and then look at all the Spanish versions. Do I have any Espanol readers in here? One or two, some Francois readers, whatever that language is. I think that's Greek. Okay, let's go back to the notes. So here's very simple. Number one, make time. Find a version that works for you. And the Internet provides a place for you to find one that works for you. If you need help, one of our leaders will take you right back there today and say, how do you like the NIV? That's the one the church uses. Oh, that's a little bit hard. Okay, how do you like the message? How do you like the new living? And we'll help pick it out for you. Okay, the next thing is, is that you want to know how to use the Bible. The Bible is just like any other book. It has a table of contents where all the books are listed, and then the Old Testament, the old deal is the time before Jesus, and the New Testament is the time after Jesus, and the structures are chapters and verses. And so here it is. Let's say we want to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So all you Bible readers, right, and all the Bibles here, let's do it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Now, if you don't know how to go there, where would you go? You would go to your table of contents, and you would look for the book Ephesians. It's hard to see here, and it says page 180. 180. So how do I use the Bible if I don't know the 66 books by heart? Has anybody memorized all 66 books of the Bible yet? Amen. It's a good thing to do with your family. But if you haven't, table of contents. Okay, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So we're going to turn there, and that Bible will be page 180. And then now what do we do? Chapter is the big number. So when you see a big number one, that is your chapter. Somebody say, ah. And then when you see the little numbers, there are the verses. Some of you who are saying, man, I already know all this. I'm a Bible pro. That's awesome. But this may be for somebody who's not a Bible pro, okay? Is it okay if we help everybody here? Amen. Here it is now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's how you use your Bible. You use it very simply. You start with the table of contents. You look up what book we're talking about. You find the chapter and the verse, and you're ready to rock and roll for Jesus. Here's the next thing. Number four, try to read whole books at the time, okay? It's hard to see up here, but there's 66 books there. Remember, 39 of the Old Testament, time before Jesus, 27 of the New Testament, the time of Jesus. Begin to pick one and read it all the way through. So let's say you want to do Ephesians, maybe read a chapter a day in Ephesians. You want to read the book of Genesis, read a chapter a day. Here's a helpful hint for all of you who want to go right to the meat Start in the Gospel of John. Some of you 
you will start in Genesis at the beginning of the book. And by around chapter 20, you're going to get to the begots and the begot this one and born to this one. And it gets a little boring. Then Leviticus talks about all those laws those Jewish people did. It's like reading an old law book. So for some of you who just want to get to the meat, start in the book of John. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All of it's good, but that may be a place for you to start. Number five, set a goal to read every day. Try to read three to five chapters a day. This is how long three to five chapters would take on estimate. It would take 15 to 30 minutes. Now, for some of you who are thinking before, I am not a good reader, brother, please click on this link, BibleGateway.com, resources slash audio. Guess what they have? Audio Bibles. Man, I, they got audio Bibles to opera music, to, to acting actually in the background. And I hear right now, they're making a hip-hop audio Bible right now in Chicago. It's at Moody University. They are actually putting together the whole Bible word for word to hip-hop music for some of you hip-hoppers. But watch this right here. When you go to the audio Bible, scroll down for me, please. No, no, don't, go, don't mess with that right now. Just scroll down. Just go ahead, and we're going to take our time here on the computer. Oh, there you go, right here. Audio Bible. Now you get to pick what chapter and verse you want to read. Right there, pick a chapter. Now watch this, and get ready to play it, guys. We're going to go Genesis 1. Watch this right here. Let's say you're not a good reader. What do you do? You pick the version of the Bible you have. The audio Bible will read it, and you can read aloud with it. Come on, somebody go, oh, snap. Now, come on, some of you are like, Pastor, you're making this too easy. You know why? Because I want you to read your Bible. And you're like, oh, I'm bored now. No, I want you to read your Bible. That's why we're doing this. If everybody was reading their Bible, we wouldn't be doing this. The average Christian, the average Christian only reads their Bible once a week. The average Christian, I'm telling you the truth, doesn't read their Bible more than 10, 15 minutes a week. Come on, people. We need to learn how to do this. Okay, so Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and just hit play audio and let this bless you right now. And imagine you having the Bible right there in front of you, and you're just going to read it as it's doing its thing. Look at that. Come on. Get you excited. For free. The book of Genesis. Oh, yes. Come on, give it up for that right there. Amen. Thank you, guys. God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. See, that is so easy. You have just right now got every excuse eliminated. I don't have a computer. Come to the church. We'll let you use our computers, whatever it takes. Moving on to the next one. Join life groups and the 101. What you can learn with a study buddy will absolutely change your life. Because remember, you don't know it all. So how about this? This message right here is the Bible study for life groups this week. So if you're like, man, I didn't get it all. And I, was, I mean, I was kind of trying to write it down. This week in life groups, they're going to go over this lesson again, pray for you, hear what's going on in your life, and help you grow closer to God. Isn't that awesome? Then the 101 actually goes more in depth to this and teaches you how to do it and look up scriptures. And the book that we give you goes right alongside the Bible so that you can start to grow. So imagine today, this week, uh, this week, you now go to a life group, let's say a Sunday life group, and then you set up a 101 during the time this week, one-on-one. Your life will change. God will begin to encourage you. Can I hear an amen? 
Amen. And here's using study tools. And these are the study tools for the advanced student. Everybody go, ooh. Commentaries are scholars' explanation of a passage. So let's say you're reading a passage and you're like, man, I don't understand what that passage is. Before you text your pastor or ask your life group leader, you can use a commentary. Bible dictionary encyclopedia can, uh, is the overview of the Bible. Concordance are the original language so you can know what it is. The lexicon defines the original language. And the structure is with big chapters and numbers and it works together. Here it is, blueletterbible.org. Just click on it, blueletterbible.org. Org. I'm going to show you how to work it and twerk it. Somebody say, work it. Work it. Amen. We are just going to work it and twerk it right now for the advanced Bible student. So when I said in the Greek what the word God breathed meant, I said theanustos. And some of you might have been like, how did you know the Greek? Here we go, right here. Put in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. Bam. You're going to put this in and watch what happens right here. you got to go back to that, that window. We'll make some time with you because here's how you can go to another level. Everybody go, level. Okay, here we go. Second Timothy, you just type it in, 316. This is for the advanced. This is for those who want to be Bible scholars. And hit enter, man. Drop it like it's hot right now. We're excited. Okay. Did you not do it right now? Scroll, uh, scroll, uh, scroll up. Scroll up for me, please. Oh, yeah, you didn't spell it right. It's okay. We're only in church right now. It's not a big deal. No pressure. Let's start entertaining everybody here. Can you just look at your neighbor and tell them how much you love the Bible right now while we're waiting for this to come up? Ask them what they're going to have for lunch. Just take away the awkwardness. Okay, here we go. There it is. Let's give it up for our guys in the back. Come on. Amen. Make it a little bit bigger, my brother, please, so we can expand it. Okay? Bam. Now watch this right here. Go on and scroll it up for me, please. Armando. Look at this right here. You went to blueletterbible.com. Right here, you touch C. That is for concordance. That's going to tell you the original language. Touch that C. Drop it like it's hot for them. Look at the Greek right there. Pull it up right here. Pull it up. Pull it up. Every scripture is God breathed. Look, you can touch on this right here. It's going to tell you what it is. Bam, touch on it. And we got the audio ready. Pull it up a little bit. It's going to show you how to pronounce the word in the Greek. This T right, uh, right there. Bam, touch it. Get ready. Psalms G, 2315. Everybody say it. Theanustas. Thank you. You can go back to the notes. That's for the advanced students right now. Some of you are just working right now at opening the Bible chapter and verse. That's all right, baby. But I told you from, from the kindergartner all the way up to the college student, no matter who you are today, you're going to understand this. Amen everybody's got to start somewhere. I started reading the Bible with the dictionary, with my friend's help, not knowing what most of the words meant. I had to start somewhere to learn those books, putting markers on pages so I wouldn't forget where it's at. You can do this, man. God will use you. Here's the next thing, number eight. When you read it, Psalms 119, 14 through 16. Here's what you need to remember when you're reading it. I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. So have this in your heart. You like God's word more than $600 million lotteries, okay? Because God's word is special to you because it is the words of life. Verse 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Everybody just close your eyes right now. Come on, let's do it. Don't disturb your neighbor. Let's just close our eyes. And I'm going to say a verse, and I want you to meditate on this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Meditate.
may open your eyes. Do that, man. I am serious. Sometimes we're just reading through the Bible like it's like today's newspaper. We forget to stop and meditate. Do you think Buddhists and Hindus were the first ones to come up with meditation? Meditation, not on Krishna, not on you losing weight, not on becoming a millionaire. Meditate on keeping God's word. Picture yourself never looking at pornography again if that's your struggle. Picture yourself having a beautiful family. It's not the power of your thoughts that does it like PMA, a positive mental attitude. It's the power of the word of God that when you meditate on it, the spirit of God can begin to transform your life. He says, I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let's say that, uh, that I will not neglect your word together, please. One, two, three. I will not neglect your word. One more time. I will not neglect your word. Thank you so much. I pray that you will do that. And then lastly, obey it. Psalms 119, 17 through 20. Do good to your servant, and I will live. I will obey your word. Can we say that together? One, two, three. I will obey your word. One more time. I will obey your word. Thank you. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You see, when you read, you should also pray and say, God, open my eyes that I can see these things that I'm reading. I'm a stranger on earth. Do not hold your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all the time. Here's the last thing. Pray the word of God. There are 365 promises documented in the Bible. How many days are there in a year? Do you know that if you started praying a promise a day, your life would never be the same again? Here's promises for everything you and I could face in life. I put up just 10 of them. The website has it all. Let's say you're dealing with sickness. There's a word for you today and something that God wants you to do. If you have a broken heart, there's a word for you today and something God wants you to do. If you're in financial trouble, there's a word for you today. Come on, somebody. And there's something for you to do. See, God has a word for every situation you're facing in life and for something for you to do. I don't know what to do. Read your Bible. I feel like giving up. Get encouragement from your Bible because the Bible says that it is a lamp unto your path. The Bible says it is a solid rock to build your life on. When the storms come and the winds blow, your life will be standing on the word of God. My friends, there is a word for you today. And if God before you, who can be against you? These promises will be on Facebook for those who follow me there. You can see them. But my friends, it's so simple today. The Bible is what you need. Here's 10 ways to increase your Bible reading. Number one, make time. Get a version you understand. Know how the Bible works. Read whole books at a time. Set a goal to read every day. Join life groups in the 101. Use study tools. Meditate on it. Obey it and pray it. Would you stand up to your feet today and bless him for it? Come on, let's bless the word that God has given us today. Band, would you come? I want to leave you with this statement that will hopefully settle in your heart. Work the word and it will work for you. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Work the word and it will work for you. As we're getting ready to close out today, I want to leave you with a story that hopefully will encourage you to read your Bible. There was a time when the Bible you have now was illegal to possess. For the first 300 years of human history, 
nobody really owned books in their house. Uh, for, uh, you know, A.D., 30 from the time Jesus died. He died around 30 A.D. And then 330 A.D. Most people didn't have books. Then from 300-ish, around more close to 400, to the 1500s, the Roman Catholic Church, you know what they did? They took the Bible and translated it into Latin. You might think, that's great. People were speaking Latin at that time. No, they weren't. Nobody was speaking Latin at that time. They purposely took the Bible and put it in a language that only the certain few, the priests, could understand. During the next thousand years, which we call the Dark Ages, the Word of God at times was literally chained to the pulpits of those churches to make sure nobody could take it. As a matter of fact, by the time you get to around the 1400s, John Huss is his name, he took the Bible, he found a version and translated it into the language of the people. The Catholic Church hunted him down and killed him. John Wycliffe was another one. There was a story about Martin Luther, where Martin Luther King was named after, but this was a monk. He was reading it in Latin and he got to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And something transformed in his life when he read it that he had never seen before that God put in his heart. He read Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and this is what he read. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And you know what he said? He said, we got to tell everybody because the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope, they're using this book as a form of control. They're telling the people, unless they confess to a priest, unless they pray the Our Fathers and Hail Marys, they're not going to go to heaven. Unless they give indulgences, they won't be released out of purgatory. All of these lies. This verse set his life on fire. And you know what he did? He then translated it at that time into German. And he wrote it in a guy who had nothing to do with it at that time. But a, a, a guy heard about it. And he said, oh man, we got to print these. And Gutenberg developed the first printing press in the entire known world to say, let's get this out. Now almost 500 years later, this book sits closed in so many people's life, in their house, in their home, and they don't know the power that it possesses. It took so much for us to pry this out of the hands of religion. It took people being burned alive. It took somebody developing, inventing the printing press. America was mostly established by pilgrims leaving religious oppression. And now today, my friend, what are you doing with it? 
The Word of God is holding for you your promises. It is holding for you your hope. Do you know that most of my counseling, when you ask me for, oh, what am I doing? I'm just giving you the Word of God. I'm just giving you the Word of God because that's the medicine for our souls. As we pray today, I'm going to ask that you would make a commitment to God and His Word. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this service. Altar workers, would you come? I'm just going to pray that God's Word would be exalted in your life today. Lord, help us to leave out of here and put some action to what we just heard. For those of you here that haven't been reading His Word like you should and you, and you want to repent, would you do that now? Just clean the slate with God and say, Lord, I just, I just want to say I'm sorry. I haven't put you first. Come on, just let Him know right where you're at. God, I want to clean the slate because I want to pray with you today that you will live by this Word. You will read this Word. Yes, you may skip a day. Sometimes things come up. But your heart will be to find time to read this Word. Let me pray. Father, we repent for the times we didn't read it. The times we didn't see the power behind it. The times that we didn't desire it. To live by it. To obey it. Lord, we repent as a congregation. And we ask you now to give us that heart of obedience. Would you say this in your own way, just right now before we dismiss, would you say, Lord, open my eyes to your word. Come on, Jesus, open my eyes to your word. Oh, God, may my heart be open to it, God. May my heart be open to it. And, Lord, may we all make commitments today to read your word. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you love Jesus, can I hear you saying amen? If you love his word, somebody say amen. Amen. We are going to dismiss today with worship and prayer. If you want to pray for anything to make a commitment to get some help, we're here. And then if you want to worship, we'll be here as well. If not, we bless you, dismiss you, enjoy the cafe and fellowship. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for visiting with us today. See you at Life Groups.